Well, their second-rate first bait, John. That is me. I have to admit, I've been, once again, experiencing some Swede emotions. Are you going to say how sweet it is, part how two? How sweet it yeah. is, part two. <laughs> I am fired up to bring on today's guest, who you introduced me to. Um, I did. Uh, probably about a year and a half ago. And mm-hmm. the story, so if you don't know, listener, a household name is not yet to you, uh, Peter Freestat. You are in for, I think, one of the most compelling stories of keeping the fire. And I would go even a step further to say carrying the torch, which we'll get back Ooh. to. And by the end of the episode, you will thank us up and down for introducing you to the music and the man, Peter Freestat. So, Amen. Anything else you want to do before we bring on our guest today, John? Uh, raise anchor. That's it. Okay. Anchors away. So please welcome to the show none other than Peter Freestead. Peter, how are you? Thank you very much for, for having me. Uh, and, and I'm fine. I'm, I'm uh, very happy to be here and, and uh, looking forward to come over to your beautiful country again this spring, you know, and, and uh, do some new recordings. Ooh, yeah. Peter's calling in from Sweden. So this is a long distance uh, love affair going on right now. So yeah. we thank you so much for joining us. And we did an episode a while back um, where we wanted to explore why what music we know now is Yacht Rock and West Coast AOR, why it's always had and continues to have such a big audience in Sweden, particularly not just from a listenership, but so many great acts are coming out of there still to this day. So when I hear you playing, I definitely hear a lot of influences of that West Coast AOR. And I'd like to start with understanding how that got into your your culture, your listening and all of that as you were growing up in Sweden. Well, I was uh, I was studying music in, in a, both in gymnasium and, and uh, high school. We call it uh, gymnasium. And, and then uh, pre-college and, and uh, everything. I, I did four years in Sweden of, of that. And I got heavily into jazz for a while. Mm. But, but my, my main thing was always uh, th- those players like Jay Graydon, Steve Lukather, Larry Carlton. They, they were my main guys, even though I, I was studying bebop harmony and stuff like that i was still listening to those guys you know and and uh, when i came to la to study my my uh, uh college years i i got back into that kind of music and and, and just it just felt natural to start playing that kind of style again of, of music you know so uh so it's, it's very close to my heart. John, we should probably have Peter tell the story because I mentioned, you know, in the uh, open about there's firekeeping, right? Which is what you and yeah. I are doing with this podcast. And I don't know how familiar you are with the uh, the language of Yacht Rock, but keeping the fire is a reference to uh, Kenny Loggins' song. And it's for people yeah, like sure, us sure. who yeah. love the music, right? And we're keeping it going like you are. But the story of how you're doing it is like the prototype for Page 99 and others, State Cows. You know, we talked about State Cows, but I, I look at it as carrying the torch because not only are you playing the music that you're influenced by, but at some point you decide to, you know what, I'm going to look up Bill Champlin, Joseph Williams, maybe they'll play with me. And today you're playing with them, Abe Laboriel, like all of these cats that we've come to know and love. And I, you just got to tell people how this came to be. Well, I, I went to school, as, as you know, uh, in, in Los Angeles, to, to the Los Angeles College of Music. And, and uh, 
at that school, there w- w- were a lot of guys like uh, Abla Boreal came there and did a workshop. Bill Cantos was working there. The Jalo Yekits guys and the John, John J.R. Robinson was there teaching studio class. And, and uh, a lot of the guys were there, you know, so I, I got to know them that way. But I had an email address to Bill. So I, I sent him in a mail that I, that I, because I won this jazz competition in, in, at school and, and I got some money, you know, to, to do this uh, recording. Uh, so so I, I emailed Bill and asked if he would be interested to, to, uh, to, to do it with us. And, and, uh, and, and I took my, my friends, I borrowed my friend's car, you know, and, and drove <laughs> straight across LA, you know, and uh, with my cassette tape demo, yes. driving straight home to, to, to Mr. Bill Champlin, who, who had a number one hit at the moment with, with Chicago, you know, the, the song Here in My Heart was uh, big at that time. And, and uh, What year are we talking? Sorry, Peter, to interrupt. What, what? 1999 okay. is this. Good. Uh, yeah. Or it might be 98. Let, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But that gives uh, us a frame, a framework. Yeah, late so, 90s. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and so I went home there to Bill, and, and, uh, and we hit it off, you know, and, and started to work uh, immediately. Uh, and, and, uh, and then he came down to the studio to record with us, you know, and it was such a ball. It was fantastic to have, to have him sing, singing with us. And uh, uh, so, so that was the start of, of, uh, of this whole thing, you know. And, and then I get, got uh, continued working with Bill. And we had one song that I said, oh, this one would be really cool if Joe would sing on. Uh, yeah, I know Joseph. Bill said, and, and uh, so he called Joseph up, and and uh, we 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 worked on on that song with him, you know, and and um, so so, uh, but that was the beginning, you know, and and then I I kept working on the second album with them, and um, eventually me and Joe did an album together called Williams Freeze that you know that that uh, got kind of well known here in. Uh, Europe at least so 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 that that one did pretty good and we toured some with that also we we did uh TV and and we did uh, yeah uh, a lot of a lot of touring with with Joe uh, for, for a couple of years there uh before uh Bill joined in and, and we we got this band that we have now called CWF you know? That that that's the that's kind of how how it, a short story of how it all um, came 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 about. So you've done now then the Williams Freestat album, which I have down as 2011. Does that sound right? Yeah. And then you've yeah. done two CWF, so that's the Champlin Williams Freestat, and the most recent that was two, 2015 and 2020 2021, with the most recent one came out yeah 2020 but we we also did a live uh dvd that was recorded in scandinavia that went all the way to the top on the charts here uh before we released uh the the first album we we released this live concert you know in, in scandinavia here and and that that one kind of 
made us do do uh, continue to work, you know, a lot because it was. A- well, I'm going to uh, encourage everybody to look those up because it's funny. Tom and I did a, a little episode a few weeks ago. It was kind of funny. It was just sort of a bunch of random stuff. And I had a bunch of what if questions. And one of the what ifs was what would it sound like if Bill Champlin had joined Toto back in the day? And then <laughs> I found exactly what that would sound like because I played, uh, I think I played 10 Miles from the CWF2 album. And it's just, it's so great. It is so true to the era, but yet modern at the same time. I really, uh, I, it, just the tones and the, it's just classic West Coast AOR, but yet it's so modern and fresh right. sounding to me. Right. Well, I do want to embarrass it, Peter, one once real quick, though, because when we first uh, sort of brought your name to the show, it was when we were doing a episode about the top 10 guitar solos of Yacht Rock. And I said, I got this guy here, Tom, and he's equal parts... <laughs> He's equal parts Jay Graydon and Steve Lukather. And Tom's like, whoa, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> wow, that's funny. And you played on a state cows track. And so we dropped in the solo for Mr. White, which I'm going to play that again right now. But who who else were your influences then? If it's not those two, or is it? Well, I, I listened to uh, you know, as as I said, I, I went further, you know, into jazz, like listening to to a guy named Pat Martino, Pat Metheny, John Schofield, those guys, a little bit. But but I felt like it was never really my thing to 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 play that kind of music. So I, I it felt much more natural for me to go back into this kind of West Coast thing, you know. But sometimes I, I just wish I was a, a, a jazz guitarist, you know, because they go in and do an album, you know, in two days. <laughs> yeah. Everything, 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 you know. Yeah. And then it's done. And maybe they overdub a solo or two, but that's all. And then you have your record there. And I just wish sometimes that I... Yeah, you're doing all the production on your stuff, aren't you? Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. a lot of work, you know. When, when... Believe me, I know. <laughs> I know the labor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you've heard my stuff, and you know yeah. I, I yeah. know exactly what you're going through. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about uh, about uh, playing on, on, on a new record there. Yeah. Oh, we're allowed to say that. Okay, Peter is actually playing on a new Page 99 track for the upcoming album. So Great track, <sighs> by the way. Great track. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm sure it's... Mm. Couldn't thank you enough. But, Tom, please, go ahead. Well, I was just going to further embarrass Peter then, I guess, if that's how you're going to categorize it, because (laughs) I've been immersing myself in the Peter Freestat catalog, CWF, the two L.A. Project albums. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, both L.A. Project albums, certainly the first one that I just listened to, has a little jazzy instrumental tune. And it's going to sound like we're just plucking off the best guitar players of Yacht Rock and, you know, throwing them at you. But I really did hear some Larry Carlton in the jazz. So you do have some jazz chops. Now, why do you say you don't have, you wish you were a jazz guitar player? Because I certainly hear some in there. And is Larry one of your influences? Yeah, yeah. I, I listened a lot to, to Larry. I, I, I love this playing. And, and uh, I still do. Uh, but I, I just figured that when I when I started to recording my own songs, it, it felt natural to go back to what I was listening to as a, a fifteen to twenty year old kid, you know, again. And and that's 
I guess that kind of music that you're listening to when you're 20, 15 years old, that, that's what you're going to love for the rest of your life. You know, that, that's yeah, so, true. so important that that period in your life that, that you, and I, I, I still remember what my two favorite records were when I was 15. One was seventh one with Toto Ooh, yeah. and the other one was airplay. So I, I guess that, <laughs> that pretty much sums up what, what I was digging at the moment there. It so, does. But, so yeah. I, I got to ask you though. So that's what you grew up, you know, as a kid loving, you got your heroes it, to include Joseph Williams, Bill Champlin. Right. And then now here you are in the modern era playing with those cats, writing songs with those people. You've got musicians. I think uh, you've got Abel Boreal, right? Playing with you. Do you have J.R. Robinson playing with Robinson. you? Yeah. Bill Cantos. I mean, all of your heroes are now in a studio with you and you're producing Randy Goodrum them. is another one. Yeah. I have Randy <laughs> Goodrum. He's writing with him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Randy's a good, good friend. We, we actually hooked up by, uh, we have the same publishing company, you know, and uh, Warner Chapel in Sweden. And, and uh, so Randy came over, you know, to write with different writers. And I was one of the writers that he was writing with. And, and uh, the first time we, we uh, I, I had to play piano in front of Randy and I, I was very embarrassed, you know, because I, <laughs> I think he's pretty, pretty much way much better than me at, at doing that. But, but anyway, it's just um, uh, fantastic to work with Randy. He, he's his way of uh, putting words to 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 my pieces of music is uh, mm. something extra, you know. And and uh, uh, I I I'm uh, regarding the other guys. I'm, I'm so blessed, you know, to to have been worked with been working with all those guys. But but uh, yeah, some 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 of them I haven't seen in. 10 to 15 years, but, but, uh, you know, with Randy, Bill and Joseph, it's, it's a really close connection there. And, uh, we've been having a, uh, a very good friendship over the years, you know, they're, they're like family. To me. Have you had opportunities to get together and like record in a studio as a, as a group, or is it kind of one track at a time? Let's, I got my demo, let's add the drums, let's add the other stuff. Or has there ever been able to do a sit down real like group type recording session we, we, we did that on on the first la products uh, record but but it was it wasn't because uh uh i i'd say it like bill said uh, i was kind of a rookie you know when i, I did that hmm. album and i didn't know that much about recording i i had done some a few recordings in my in the past but but uh, uh anyway the, there was we rented the studio and, and we didn't play the click track and we didn't, you know, uh, I, I, I even used all the different formats like uh, two inch tapes, uh, yeah. eight dats and uh, Pro Tools. And, and, and I had to get everything together in the end. It was a mess, you know. And, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, that, that, that record was, was a lot of uh, trial and error and uh, but but the cool thing about it was that we were recording all of it live in the in the mm, studio okay. with, with everyone. Even Bill was singing with the band, you know. That, and, and that's what got him pretty excited about the project, you know, that, that, that he came down and he thought he was going to do overdubs, but he, he came in and, and everyone was there, you know, playing with him. So, so that, that was... That was a really cool way to make an album, but I wouldn't do it like that again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but th this is what I mean by carrying the torch, though. There's a big difference between like you know something I might do to like pay homage to the era, but you're actually like 
pulling from the era, bringing them into the present, and continuing this fire. I just think it's really cool. John, this has got to be a prototype for you because now you're starting to get the Peter Freestats of the world. And I don't know if there's other people that we're allowed to announce yet, but on your latest project. Well, we've already announced that uh, Bill Champlin is singing one of the tunes. We're actually covering one of his sons of Champlin tunes. And uh, Paul Pesco has played guitar on a tune. So, uh, yeah, I got a few people. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One of the things that I also noticed about your playing, um, and you can obviously uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, one of the other aspects I hear in your playing, besides the Graydon uh, Lukather and that era, uh, is I don't know what what to call them. Maybe more of the later '80s shredder type of player. Here's some of the fast runs you do, whether it be like an Eric Johnson or a Satriani thing. Are there certain guys from that era that also have influenced your playing a lot? I, I'd say I, I, I really dig some of those guys too. Uh, I think they're they're amazing players. And and I had Frank Ambal, you know, as uh, my main teacher in at the LA College of Music, and he's He's a major technique guy, you know. So, so I, I figured out that it, it's, it's never a, a bad thing to have a good technique there. And and, uh, but I, I, um, I wouldn't say I was into the real metal shred scene. I, I never really dug that as, as a player. Really, I, uh, I kind of stayed away from that. But, but I love the, the rock guitar playing. I, mm-hmm. I, I still I, I I listen more and more to that. You know, I think the fifty one fifty with Van Halen, you know, is one of the greatest mm-hmm. albums ever. You know, and and uh, so so it's I, I really love that melodic rock thing with with uh, some of those amazing players there. Uh, but 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 uh, to, to say just, yeah, it's it's also a, a bit of a bad word. You know, the the shred word, and and I yeah, I kind of dislike some some of it when it's just fast because it should be fast it, it doesn't have any uh, meaning to it you know and, and, yeah, and yep. that, that's that's not for me you know that kind of playing super yeah. well put yeah, yeah. Um, yep let me ask you this about your playing because one of the people that you haven't met yet from the la scene you told us was jay graden right mm. and so you want to meet jay next time you're in la which we think is going to be in a couple months but um when that we hear jay amazing. Yeah, I know. We got a chance to talk to him. So, um, which was an honor, of course, but you know, we, we always, we hear the finished product of a Jay Graydon solo and we think, wow, so wonderfully constructed, so cerebral. Like you could tell there was a roadmap and we asked Jay about that (laughs) and he said, no, I'm actually about five seconds away from running into a bus at any given moment. Five milliseconds. (laughs) (laughs) So all of that stuff is just coming to him. Apparently. How do you construct a solo? Do you do you roadmap it out, or are you just kind of freewheeling and just gathering inspiration? What what does a Peter Freestat solo look like? Well, the, it it kind of depends on the song. Some songs are more like, "Wow, this time I'm just gonna blow," you know. It is this is perfect for just go there and 
get a feeling for it. But but on the other tracks, you know, you want to take the time and, and really uh, find the perfect melodic phrases for the song to 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 uh, blend with the, the other melodies there. And, and also, you want to have an ending, you want to have a crescendo, and you want to have a fade-out thing on the solo. And, and also, I think the... the yeah, there are some 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 recordings with you know with Luke Gather and, and Graydon where you just turn off the volume knob a lot because you want to hear those last phrases on the end that they're filling filling the song with you know and and the, there's some amazing I just wish they never faded some of those songs you know because yeah like they, the end of Rosanna we always talk yeah, about that there's, yeah. there's so much there. Yeah, it's the same thing with these chains, you know, that, that song on, on Seven. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorite songs of, of Luke's ever, you know. it's he, he He's such an amazing melodic prayer, you know. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, I can't say enough about how, how, how much he has influenced me and, and uh, pr- probably millions of other guitar players, you know. So, Would so. you go into a solo and decide, okay, on this one I'm going to build something that has harmonies that come in and out or is it more you you've played a solo you've played the melodies and things that you like and you listen back and go hmm maybe i could add harmony there or is it do you preconceive of those types of solos in terms of you're going to arrange it almost like you would horn parts or you just start adding stuff until you feel it's done it it's different uh different different times you know but but sometimes i i can hear that that's really what would work on 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 this kind of song you know that 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 needs that kind of great on a wire choir solo thing wire choir yeah Yeah. but but on on some of the songs you know it just um evolves in in that direction and and uh, i i'd say it's different with different solos um and and also i i I tend to not write anything out, you know. It's it's more like trial and error, you know, in the studio. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, you're you're working late at night and you think you got it, you know. Wow, this is the <laughs> most happening thing ever. And then, and then you go the next back, day comes. Yeah. What <laughs> what on earth did I do there? And then that's that's the luxury of having your own studio. You can always go back and do the change. That's what's so cool with with guys like Graydon and Luke. You know, they they. They did these things on the spot, you know, and and uh, when they were doing sessions, they 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 really did those solos right there, you know, running with the night. Luke was even just trying out the sounds on the amp, yeah. you know, and, yep. and they they recorded it, and and so so that that's how good of a player, yeah, yeah, and I I can, yeah, it's it's. We have a more of a luxury these days to have our home studios, but but on the other hand. Uh, you can get caught in too many possibilities, right? And too much overthinking. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Too, too much perfection, you know. And and yep. if if sometimes I just wish someone would go in and say, "That's enough. Don't don't fine tune that and that," you know. Because sometimes you you take away some of the rawness from yeah. from the first take of the solo, you know. And and um, that that could be. I, I'm 
probably guilty of a lot of that stuff too. Well, it's hard when you're pro- you're producing yourself, so you need exactly. a producer to come in and tell you that. But do you have to do that then when you're working with Joe and Bill on the CWS stuff? Do you have to play producer and kind of tell them what's working and what's not, or is it kind of three heads all sort of working, which can also be problematic? Well, you know, with Joe and Bill, they they are just amazing when it comes to vocal arranging. So so I pretty much let them go crazy. Okay. But sometimes they go too crazy, you know, on the records. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to edit out a lot of stuff. With, uh, do I have to edit that out? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you're, you're probably going to have to do that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, but, you know, you know, yeah, that's an honest answer. You know, it's, it's sometimes too, too much information you know, for a song. And, and uh, even though it's always great stuff, it's... it's it may not be necessary for 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 bringing the best of the tune forward. Right, you know, gotcha. So. so that that's something. That's one of my main uh, things. I I really think that whatever fits the tune is the most important. Not nothing. If it's not a flashy thing, don't do it because it it just should be whatever fits the uh, the, the song. We hear that so much when we talk to these, uh, quote, legends of that era, too. They all talk about servicing the song, servicing the lead vocal more than anything else. And and it's kind of, you got to put your ego away a little bit. And, and I met so many, you know, fresh musicians that, that doesn't think like that, you know, and, and it's so hard to work. That you can't work with guys like that in the studio, you know, because they, 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 haven't realized that we're working for a song here. That's that's what we're doing, and and uh, so that that's why I I always say that uh, you got to think of the song first, and and then whatever fits it, it that's what's going to end up on tape or on 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 the hard drive. On the hard drive, <laughs> hard disk. Yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the songwriting process for, as particularly when you're collaborating with uh, with Champlin and and Williams? Do you co-write? Does one person bring the idea and then you all massage it together? How does that work? It's it's very different from from uh, song to song. Uh, sometimes we all chip in with ideas, but most of the times, either me or Bill brings in a song that that's quite finished. You know, I I written a lot of the songs either with Randy or or uh, with with the, I write some with with the, another friend here in Sweden that, that I work with called Rob Shell and and uh, so so I I bring in some some songs and Bill brings in and me and Bill also co-write uh, together and Tamra is a mm-hmm. fantastic uh, lyrical writer so 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 uh, I would say 90% of, of the record is is um, uh, pre pre recorded the demos you know that we we just work on in the studios when when i'm in la and and joe i i bothered him with the doing more songs for the next record and uh, we'll see what happens you know it it um it's it, he wanted to put out in his own thing you know and and um i i it's such a good album that he did there so that was uh, of course he should do that but but um i have a few songs that that uh, I I overdubbed guitars on the Joe wrote in my studio that that uh, is so good that I think we should should add to to uh, 
to uh, the recordings. So those have not been released. He hasn't done them. Oh, so, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, exciting. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. yeah. He, he has a lot of songs, you know. Uh, so you're heading to L.A. now, probably in early spring for us, May-ish, and uh, to do some more recording. Certainly, we know with probably some of these guys. Is there anything you want to tell? We know that some of it you can say, some of it you can't. Is there anything you would like to sneak out for people to uh, get them uh, excited? Um, I, I uh, recorded demos for seven or eight tracks already, and, and I think it, they are very strong, some of them at least. And, and uh, uh, I may add some some drums with J.R. Robinson, you know, mm. b- before before I even go there, uh, just sending him tracks, you know, to, to record. A little different sound on this one uh, Ooh, okay. that, that, than what you heard from from my writing before at least and and uh, well it's it's exciting and I, I can't say too much about okay what it's going to be and and who who is going to do what and, and stuff like that but uh, it's it's really i'm excited very excited about this, this. Well, the weather will be warmer that's for sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that's something i'm very excited about too. oh i bet, I bet. <laughs> Oh my God! One thing I was going to ask you, and you partially answered it, but this new project, notwithstanding, do you envision that you will continue to be a torchbearer of the West Coast sound going forward? I mean, you're keeping this alive as much as anyone, and uh, I'm hoping you're going to continue after this next project. If it's not West Coasty, then there's Yachty stuff over the horizon. John, you, you forgot to hit the ding for that over the horizon. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, I, I tell you right away that these songs that I wrote for the new new priority here is very west coasty actually ah. it, it's 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 not that i i uh, changed the style of, of what what i uh, i i tend to always write that kind of music you know and that, that it's so so close to my heart that i i can't mm-hmm. really uh do do i if i wanted to maybe i could do uh, uh something else but but uh, it wouldn't but be why <laughs> it wouldn't be it would, would be, wouldn't be honest for, 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 right. from my right. point of view you know that because I'm kind of that kind of, of uh, writer you know that and I really really am happy for 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 the following that I have with with people who like that kind of music you know so spy would wouldn't want to disappoint anyone either you know by starting making a grunge record or something like that you know right. I I <laughs> no shred metal that's no. for sure we already, we already know that uh, i did have a, one, i had one other question as we're we're talking about um different guitar styles and one of the songs of yours from your first cwf album that i've been kind of pushing around online lately because it's just really hit me was aria and aria has a beautiful solo in the middle and then for the playout solo at the end you come in on an acoustic thing, like a nylon string acoustic or something. How often do you find yourself sort of drawn to doing that? I mean, do you, do you find that every once in a while you have to tell yourself I need to do something acoustic every once in a while? Or does something just, do you say, hey, this is what I want to do? I got. I got to give this up to Ingmar Oberg, the the guy who was kind of recording uh, that first album, a lot of uh, and and kind of co-producing uh, some okay. some, uh, and and he 
he's he had a beautiful nylon string uh, guitar standing there in the studio. So I I was just fiddling around on that while he was working on the end of the area. That, oh. and, and he said that should be on the record. So I said, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's record. So so we, he he put up these. Three mics, you know, and, and uh, it sounded so beautiful that guitar. So, so I, uh, yeah, we 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 ended up having huh. that. I, I never thought of of having an acoustic guitar on that track, you know. That that was, uh, uh, but it was it was great. I, I liked how it turned yeah. out, you know. So, so it it's not on the single version of the track, though. Oh, figures! It's like you said, though. Wait around for the fade out. Wait around yeah. for the fade out on these songs, man. Yeah, that's where yeah. some of the good stuff is. Yeah, and 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 the but but that song, you know, I was so excited when, when we wrote it because I I thought that you know Joe and Bill is gonna kick ass when when yeah. they get their hands on this. And and was that with uh, Randy? Yeah, yeah. Randy yeah, okay. R- Randy wrote the lyric, and I I think okay. the lyric is so beautiful because it mm-hmm. it has this double meaning. You know, it could be the, by the girl area, or it could be the, the music piece. You music, know, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's 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 he's so clever. He's he's like he's like a genius. I I I think, and and uh, yeah, I, I couldn't say enough about Randy's. Uh, writing and playing is is amazing. Well, maybe you can put a good uh, word in for us so we can get him on the show. We'd love to talk to him. I'll, I'll definitely uh, yeah, help you out yeah. with that. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. And we'll try to help you out with Jay Graydon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't believe uh, and, I said that, but I have his email address. And, and, and then, and then he, he never comes back to your show notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, so for our listeners who, uh, for whom the name Peter Freestat is new, now you know the story uh, of possibly. The biggest linchpin between the past, present, and future of uh, yeah, this I agree. genre we call Yacht Rock. Um, so now, if you haven't yet, do yourself a favor and start at the beginning of the Peter Freestat catalog. Move all the way forward. Um, I'm looking at the L.A. Project record right now. And on the cover, you'll see names and hear sounds from Bill Champlin, Joseph Williams, which we talked about, Yellow Jackets, Bill Cantos, Abe Laboreal. Your journey will include people like Tamara Champlin, uh, Randy Goodrum, we mentioned. Michael McDonald comes up Ooh, out of nowhere. That's right. That's right. And more. It's it's modern yacht. It's like classic yacht. It's just beautiful through and through. And there's even a little bit of drifting outside of the harbor. Uh, mm-hmm. We mentioned things like jazz and, and some, I hear some bluesy stuff too as well. So it's really good stuff. I, I'm just so glad that you're doing it. It's opened my eyes to how busy some of these guys are that I didn't realize how busy Champlin is these days. And you yeah. know, Joseph Williams still rocking. So it's, it's all good, man. I appreciate it. I'm blessed to, that, that you guys are doing what you're doing. You know, it's it's such a great thing that you have this channel and, and uh, putting putting the music out for for everyone. You know, to hear it still, it's it's amazing. And, and uh, uh, I I still think that uh, we're the, the this kind of music has a renaissance. I, I'm still waiting for for another wave of it. You know, yeah. because it's it's really it's music that that should be easy for everyone to like you know it's it's really uh, that kind of uh, hooks in it and yeah. that kind of uh, and and when you have a guy like randy writing the lyrics it's it's even very meaningful music you know for 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 your soul and, and heart as well so it's, it's i think it's uh, uh i hope that it, that it will have a renaissance again 
worldwide, you know, not yeah. not only in Scandinavia and Japan, where it's still uh, still is yeah. still is big, you know, yeah. But I think uh, my theory is that it started as a renaissance because there was some built-in nostalgia for people our age, right? But I'm thinking younger people, when they discover it and they realize it's like nothing that they've ever heard before because you've got full bands, you've got organic musicians, you've got melody that like my kids listen to it and they're like, this song is great. This song is great. This song is great. It's totally different than the way people write music nowadays. And I think because of that appeal, I think it could really have another taking off point, John. And, and I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, we do know we've talked to some of the artists that have said, um, specifically even Peter Beckett from Players, has flat out said that they've seen a significant increase in royalties over, you know, since this sort of you know, re-emergence of yacht rock or the term yacht rock. So it's happening for the older artists and there, there's only a matter of time for people wanting to start to hear new stuff produced this way. And I think the boredom with the same four chords over and over again has to take effect somewhere along the lines and people want to hear this kind of stuff again. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Or for the first time, like my kids for the, first, the time. first time. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And, and just like you said, Tom, it's, it's, so much int- more interesting to listen to to these pieces of music than than what's on the radio these days. Uh, or am I am I just old now? <laughs> well, no, you, you are the young buck of yacht, yacht rock. Don't say that. Yeah. Okay. I felt really old while saying that. You know. I know. Because, I know. He uh, gets me yeah. with that all the time. He yeah. tells me to. You know. Yeah. <laughs> am I the youngest one on this yeah. uh, podcast right now? Yeah. It might yeah. be. I just. I'm, like I'm gonna. Buy, I'm gonna buy this T-shirt that my friend has. You know, it's not. It's not me that's old. It's your music that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't think of a better way to wrap it up than that. I think that's uh, that, that's that's the mic drop moment right there. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Peter, cool. thanks again. Um, thanks. Let's, thanks. let's have you back out when you can talk more about this project. And maybe when it's getting ready to be released, we'll have you back on and we'll talk it up. Can't wait to hear what it sounds like. Would love to. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, and that's how you keep the fire and carry the torch. One fell swoop, one guy doing it all. Yep. But he is the model. He's the prototype. Like when you and I first thought, a couple things that came to mind as we're talking to him is that when you and I came up with the idea for the podcast, we're like, can you believe there's still people out there making this kind of music now? And I didn't even know Peter Freestead at the time. Well, when I hear him, I, I hear clear, as I said, to him, I hear clear evidence of a knowledge and a love and a, a technique from the past, from the 70s and 80s, but decidedly modern sounding at the same time. Maybe that's some of the tones yeah. and, uh, you know, more modern equipment that he has available to him now. But I mean, it's it is exactly that bridge of classic and modern at the same time. Yep. And then the other thing that occurred to me was, you know, you had already started this idea of creating a West Coast inspired project. And then I got inspired to do it and then um we're discovering more and more and more and more artists are doing it and we talked to peter about uh 
not a renaissance, but maybe a new emergence with a new audience. Hopefully this thing is just getting legs yeah, now. And in full dis- disclosure, the stuff that he does isn't yacht rock as much as it is West Coast AOR. But the two genres are so closely related, certainly from the same area, same era, same time period, that for the purpose of a show like this, they, they belong together for discussion because there's so many mm-hmm. of the players and people that overlapped as he talked about John Robinson, Abel Boreal, you know, the little Bill uh, Champlin, the list goes on. So yes, yeah. this is not yacht rock, but yes, this is important music you need to hear. Well, that provides a nice segue into our lightning round. Cause I'm going to ask you if something floats your boat. Okay. So shall we? Let's do it. All right. So I don't think this is yacht rock. But um, remember the show that we were helping to promote with Bill Champlin um, down in Dayton? Yes. And uh, had Frankie and the Knockouts and the, the Yacht Rock tribute band. Well, that served to remind me of a song that maybe, to me, was a buried treasure. But I'm going to ask you if any part of this floats your boat. Okay. Because they were playing it in the promo that ran on our podcast. Well, it just so happens that CWF Two, the second album with Freestet uh, and Champlin and Williams, also features a remake of the song that I was thinking of. So, okay. is there any part of Chicago's Look Away that floats your boat? And either way, play the CWF version if you would. If you see me walking by and the tears are in my eyes, look away. I mean, it's pretty far from Yacht Rock from a technical standpoint. Agreed. But that that version, the CWF version, um, two things about that is that particular version, the CWF version, we talked with Peter about the um, some of the playouts at the end. The solo lead he plays on the end playout of that is incredible. Absolutely love it. And I was fooled that I thought that was a studio cut until the very end when you finally hear the applause. They did such a good job of mixing it to match the record. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. So, and agreed also, not Yachty, but man, what a tune in. How did that song slip my memory hole until just recently? Good tune. Great one. Yeah. Chicago 19 that came from. That's one of my favorite modern Chicago records. Okay, cool. What do you got for Float Your Boat? All right. So here's one I have for you. We've actually covered this song before, but in a different context. Um, I kind of wanted to do a little twist on the Float Your Boat. I have a song here that is within three points of the uh, Yacht Rock Mendoza line. It's either... <laughs> it's either less than three points above or less than three points below. So it's right there on the cusp. I want you to tell me which side of the line you think it's on or which side okay. you think it should be on. You can answer both ways. And, the, okay. and that is Toto, I Won't Hold You Back.
I believe it's three points below the Mendoza line, and I believe that's where it belongs. You're pretty right. It's uh, 47.25. So um, the interesting numbers on it, uh, J.D. and Steve did not like it, at least as a Yacht Rock song, 35 and 41. Yet Hunter and Dave gave it 51 and 62. So it kind of split the audience there. Yeah. I love that song. I do too. Yeah. I just absolutely adore it. But it doesn't feel yachty to me. Anyways. Okay. Good pick. That was a nice little quiz. I'm glad I passed yet again. What have you for Buried Treasure? Well, um, Buried Treasure, I think it uh, deserves notification one more time that uh, we, we talked about it earlier in the episode. I played a little bit of it, but now I'm going to play the whole thing. This is the free step solo from State Cows, Mr. White. Built on those classic Graydon pinch harmonics. It's got the harmonies. It's got some Lukather type runs. That is the essence of Peter Freestat right there. Yep. That's also the essence of keeping the torch. Yep. A collab with state cows. My word, it doesn't get any better than that. All right. I'm going back to CWF2 uh, for a buried treasure because I had no idea that they ever, speaking of collabed, worked with Michael McDonald. Yeah. So that is a buried treasure for me. And here is the guys with Michael McDonald loving the world. Not only is that a great treasure, not only is it somewhat buried, but uh, Tamara's on there as well as Michael McDonald. That's got something you talk about personnel. Woo. Yeah. You know who else is on that is um, Amy McDonald. Oh. So uh, Amy, as in Amy Holland. So she's singing on that as well. So it's full on personnel on that tune. Chock full. All right. Yeah. Well, does that allow me to uh, take us off the map a bit? Yes, it does. Please. Uh, I just, uh, again, off the map, not Yachty, but listen to this <laughs> bass solo with Abel Boreal <laughs> on Take a Chance. It's wicked. Abel Boreal, man, the most recorded bassist of all time, or darn near it. He, so oh, that's why, right so there, good. he can yeah. do that. Well, off the map, um, I got to give one more shout out to the CWF project. Uh, we referenced this song when we were talking to Peter, and I want to play a significant section of my current favorite CWF tune. And this was one, as he said, was co-written, the lyrics by Randy Goodrum. 
And this is called Aria. I, you know, I heard the Chicago stuff in there too when uh, first time I heard that song. So yeah, there's a synth line in there that sounds like it could have been a uh, Chicago horn line. Yeah, for sure, exactly. That's particularly what I was talking about. Yep. Well, that's it, right? The uh, talk about living the dream. This guy is living your life. Uh, he's collaborating with all these people. He's making yacht rock for a living, or at least West Coast. I'll get there. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, we've got plenty of time left. So it dawned on me though. Um, all these acronyms. We got the LA Project. We've got CWF. <laughs> One of the albums is II, as in two. Um, do you know what AH stands for? Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. AH. Uh. No. Oh. Oh, you have oh, it. Oh, oh, ahoy. Oh, While the music's on 